our church could tip over. Everybody on this side, nobody on this side, it could just, just flip. Wouldn't that be terrible? Yeah, some of you like to sit on the left, yes. And a few on the right. It depends on how you look at things, though, on how you look at things. Maybe from my point of view, you're on the right. I very seldom give my sermons titles, but if I were to give one today, the title of this sermon would be Three Questions. Three Questions. Because in that lesson from St. Mark, there are three questions that seem to me to pretty well uh, determine what goes on in that lesson. The first question is obviously right at the beginning. A young man runs up to Jesus, kneels before him, and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now on the surface, that seems like a perfectly logical question, a good question. It makes sense, I guess. But then if you think about it just a little bit, you realize that it's a kind of odd question, isn't it? What must I do? to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus gives a fairly long rabbinic answer, but I'll give you my short answer. What must you do to inherit eternal life? Nothing! Nothing. Nothing. Think about that. Do you do anything to inherit? No, an inheritance is a gift. It's given to you because because the donor wants to give it to you. 20 years ago, Diane's grandmother died. And some weeks or months later, we received in the mail a check for $4,500. Now, that's not a huge amount of money for some people, but for us, it was a lot of money. And we were very glad to get it. But it was sheer gift. Diane had no idea, no idea at all that she would inherit anything from her grandmother. And in the mail, we got this check for $4,500. Gift, sheer gift, sheer gift. You see, when you inherit, it's just given by the giver. You don't have to do something. You don't earn your inheritance. If you earn it, then it's wages, isn't it? An inheritance is simply given. And that's what, what's given to you. You are children of God, children of the kingdom. The eternal life is yours. I'm giving it to you right now. I'm giving it to you right now. You, you know, Martin Luther, I've told you this before, but I'll go back. Martin Luther had this wonderful way of talking about Jesus. He said that all of Jesus' promises are his last will and testament. That's his, all his promises are his will and testament. And when he died on the cross, that will came into effect. And all the promises are yours, are yours. Your sins are forgiven. You are loved. You are a child of God. You have a place in this kingdom, this eternal life. It's given to you, you each one of you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, it's yours. That's just the way it is. 
So this young man came to Jesus and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I, I think it was a bad question. But the next question is even more interesting because it's Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now, some people think he was playing a little game here and, you know, he was, well, he really is good. We, we know that. I don't, I think, just take it at face value. What he's saying is none of us are good. You may think you're good. If you have a lot of money, you may think you're important or all that. He says none of us are good. Not any of us. Only God. God alone is good. Not us. Not any of us. You know, Paul says, he's quoting the Psalms in Romans, and he says, he says, none is righteous, no, not one. Not any of us. We're not good. We're fooling ourselves when we think we are. Yeah, we're just, we're just, well, we're who we are, aren't we? We are who we are. But that's when Jesus asked him some questions. That's why I said his answers, Jesus talks in a kind of rabbinic way, like the rabbis talk. And he said, well, what are the commandments? And he lists several commandments. And this young man says, I've kept them all. I've kept them all since I was a youth. And then it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Interesting line, isn't it? He looked at him and loved him. Now, some people think that he loved him because he kept the commandments. Well, maybe. I think it's, it's more subtle than that. I think... He looked at him like a teacher looks at a pupil who gives a kind of naive answer. Ah, yeah, yeah, I love you, kid. <laughs> or like a parent might look at a child who gives a, ah, a little strange answer. Our oldest son was that way. He gave us a lot of strange, odd Sometimes he didn't always tell the truth either. And you know, all we could do was just look at him and love him. Huh? Look at him and love him. Because you, you didn't know for sure what he was going to say. In fact, he's still kind of that way. He says things and we'll say, John, is that true? And you just make it up as you're talking, you know? So you look at him and love him. I think that's what Jesus was doing. But then he said, he said, and I, I think this is where, where this is going. I think he was saying, look, if, if you want to play this game, let's play. Let's play. If you want to talk about being good, let's talk about being good. So, uh, how about if you just sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and then come follow me? Then you'd be really good, wouldn't you? And the man was devastated. Turned and left. I guess I could ask you the same question. Uh, if, if you want to be really good, if, if you want to uh, be great disciples, here it is, folks. Sell all that you have, give the money to the poor, and come follow Jesus. You can raise your hands, all of you are ready, huh? No takers? You know, a very few people do that and have done that in the history of the church. Bless their hearts, they're wonderful people. Most of us don't. Most of us hang on to uh, our wealth insofar as we have it. And we're glad to have it. We're glad to have it. 
Uh, because in the end, we're not good. We're just, well, we're who we are. We are who we are. Which leads us to the third question. Jesus uh, looked at his disciples and he said, it is really hard to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's really hard. And for rich people, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. Very hard. And the disciples, it says, were, were astounded by this because like many of us, they assumed that if you're rich, that's, that's somehow a sign of blessing, huh? That was very much the assumption in those days. The rich people were specially blessed. And Jesus says how hard it is for rich people to enter the kingdom. In fact, he goes on to, 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 to make a little picture. He said, it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. For a camel go through the eye of a needle. Now some people have played games with that story too and have said in Jerusalem there's, there's a gate that's called the needle's eye and camels have to go down real low to get through it. That's baloney folks. If anybody told you that, it's baloney. Just take the story as it says. J just take it literally. He says it's as hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom as it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Uh, maybe you're not rich. Let's just put it this way. It's as hard for you and me to get through, get into the kingdom as it is for uh, a dog to go through the eye of a needle. Does that make it easier? Is that better? You feel good about that? Or maybe even a mouse. A mouse. Maybe a mouse through the eye of a needle. No, doesn't work, does it? The disciples didn't know what to say. They, they were almost speechless. And Peter said, Here's the third question. Who can be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus said, with humans, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If you want to get into the kingdom on your own credentials, whatever they are, whether it's your smarts or your faith or your, your, your goodness, or, or even your badness. I, some people think, you know, being bad is a really good thing. I don't know. Um, forget it. You can't do it. It's like getting through that eye of the needle. But with God, all things are possible. In Jesus Christ, he's called you to be his child, to be a disciple, to belong to him. All your sins are forgiven. All, all the bad things are, are wiped away. The slate is clean. You're a child of God. That's who you are, each and every one of you. You don't have to, you don't have to make up some story about how good you are. You, you don't have to say, I kept all the commandments. I hope you keep the commandments. Bless your heart if you keep the commandments. That's good. That's what gets you into the kingdom. It's that wonderful inheritance, that gift. Like the $4,500, it's just given, it's free. To you. Finally, Peter says, Lord, we have given up everything and followed you. We've left home and family. And, and they had, those first, first apostles had, left everything behind. 
And Jesus said to him, no one who leaves, that, leaves their family behind, leaves their wealth behind, will regret it. Because you'll get 100 times more in this life and in the kingdom, eternal life, with persecutions. And if you read the first chapters of Acts, you, you see exactly how that works out. You see, <coughs> we are given brothers and sisters and parents. Hey, who are you? You're my brothers and sisters. Diane and I, to, to a little tiny extent, some, some of the rest of us left family behind somewhere. But you know what? We gained a family when we came here. We have this wonderful family that stretches all the way across the world. Stretches not just across the world, but across time. Augustine, Christus, Luther, Aquinas, they're my, they're my brothers. And, and there are sisters in there too, I, I should say. We're all given with you. Because we're family. You're family. You belong to this family. Right now, here, and in the kingdom forever. In the end, Jesus says, uh, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Many who have so much, who, who think they can make it on their own, will be at the end of the line. And those who have nothing, who have no claims, will be first. In fact, you know, this lesson comes immediately following the story of Jesus and the little children. He takes, he takes a child, sets him on his knee, uh, touches him, blesses him, and says, uh, you also must receive the kingdom like a child. The kingdom of God belongs to children, to these almost helpless people. They're first in line. First in line. And insofar as you have nothing, you're first in line. Now, you know, there's, there's a wonderful story by Flannery O'Connor, the, the uh, American novelist. Uh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Maybe Star could say it. Where, where they're in line going into the kingdom, and Mrs., what's her name, Mrs.? Yeah. But it, it's a funny thing. In Flannery O'Connor's story, you know, all, all the, 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 the crazy people, the poor people, all, people with all kinds of troubles, they're at the beginning of the line going up to heaven. And here, way at the back of the line, comes all the good folks. Now, O'Connor's point is, it isn't that the good folks don't get in. They, they just get in last. They get in last, way back at the back of the line. Maybe. Point is, we're all called. We're all made children. You're a child. Whether you're rich or poor, it's a miracle of God. It's a miracle that was sealed on the cross. And you have a place there. Now, one more thing, because I don't want to leave this. Now, uh, the first lesson, which you read, you know, talks a lot about living a, a, a life that is fair and just and good. And that's right. That's also our call. That's also our call. To live with justice and honor and dignity. Treat other people with respect and care. That's true. Amos says that. But that's not what makes you a child of God. It's the children of God 
who treat other people with respect and love and dignity. Do you see the difference? It's because you've been loved that you can love. It's because you've been treated with dignity that you can treat others with dignity. It's because you have a place in the kingdom that you can invite others to. You are the children of God. Adopted children of God, sealed with the blood of Jesus. You're my family. And we're family together. Amen.